Our scripture reading this morning will be in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. We'll be looking at verses 12 to 17. And if you're using one of the Bibles provided, it's uh, page 554. It's Ecclesiastes 2:12 to 17. It says, So I turn to consider wisdom and madness and folly. For what can the man do who comes after the king? Only what has already been done. Then I saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly, as there is more gain in light than in darkness. The wise person has his eyes in his head, but the fool walks in the darkness. And yet I perceive that the same event happens to all of them. Then I said in my heart, What happens to the fool will happen to me also. Why then have I been so very wise? And I said in my heart that this also is vanity. For of the wise as of the fool there is no enduring remembrance. Seeing that in the days to come all will have been long forgotten. How the wise dies just like the fool. So I hated life. Because what is done under the sun was grievous to me, for all is vanity and a striving after the wind. This is the word of God. Days come, and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened, And the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. All is vanity. Well, this week, uh, we come back. Uh, We're going to revisit a theme uh, that was examined previously uh, by the preacher or by the assembler or by the one that we think with with a good conviction that it was King Solomon. He's going to return back uh, to the subject of wisdom, folly, and Madness, as he did in 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 chapter one and of uh, verse seventeen, uh, he said, "I applied my mind uh, to know wisdom and knowledge, madness and folly. I learned that this too was the pursuit of the wind." Haven't you sometimes, um, you know, when you're looking for something or or when you've misplaced something, uh, uh, you go back to the place where you've already looked before because you think that you may have missed something there. And, and deep down inside, you know it's not there because it's not where you put it. And you already looked very carefully. 
but you still have the tendency to open the trunk one more time, to go back to the closet one more time, and, 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 and then um, in a Christian way, if you have any sense, you'll, you'll just ask God, God, show me. Show me where I left my phone. Uh, show me where my keys are. Show me where I left my purse. Uh, you'll ask him, and it's my testimony. Uh, he will show you. But we have Solomon, we have the preacher going back, and, and he wants to figure out, is there something that I missed? Uh, 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 Pastor Mark brought us uh, last week, uh, he expounded this text where he, he turned from these things and he said, I'm going to check out pleasure I'm going to look at booze and projects and accomplishments. I'm going to try that. I'm, I'm going to see if there's any value in amassing silver and gold and treasures. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to mix it up with music and with sex. And what did Pastor Mark tell us that he said and that he was utterly convinced of? Empty. He came up empty. Right at the very beginning, I want to say this to you. If you think that you can do a better experiment than what Solomon has already done, if you think you can do a better examination of of, of pleasure and music and sex and booze and wealth and the accumulation of material possessions than he did, save yourself the time, please, please. The test has already been made. The results are already in. It's empty. It's vain. It's full of nothingness. It is the chasing after wind. Even though the vast majority of people on this planet, that is what they're seeking after. That's what they think will satisfy them. And they keep going back to the same place. And they, and, and, and they find nothing there. The conclusion that, uh, that he drew earlier in chapter 2, well, in, in chapter 2 in, and verse 11, he simply says, it's not verse 11, it's an earlier verse. I've got the wrong verse written here, but it's, it's, it's when I considered all that I had accomplished and what I had labored to achieve. I found everything to be futile and the pursuit of wind. There was nothing to be gained under the sun. Well, now, see, he wants to return and say, well, maybe I did miss something. Those are the lower things. Those are the baser things, the materialism, the sensual pleasure. Let's, let's aim high. Let's aim high one more time, and let's have a look at, at wisdom, and let's compare it uh, to madness and folly. So in verse 12, his first concern is his legacy. What's going to happen after me? In his consideration of wisdom, madness, and folly, he asks the questions, for what will the, what will the man be like who comes after the king? He concludes he will do what has already been done. And either he means one of two things. 
either he's, he's pointing to the monotonous, repetitious ruling behavior where the ruler does everything in order to please himself and, and whatever successors that have come before and whichever, uh, 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 whichever predecessors have come before and whichever successors will follow, they will do very much the same thing. It's just a shuffling. Or he means this. Shall someone come in the future that will have the same questions that I have had and try to make the same investigation and, and, and do the same experiment that I have done? And will he find out something different than what I have found? And of course the answer is no. He'll find out the same thing. It, it means one or the other, or it could mean both of those things. But he could not control his legacy. He could not control what would happen after he was gone. None of us can do that. In his particular case, Rehoboam was his son. And immediately after Solomon is off the page, his son takes control, and what does he do? He divides the kingdom. He's a proud man. He won't listen to the elders. He listens to his friends that grew up with him. And they advised him to be tougher on the, on the people than his father had ever been. And from, then, and from thenceforth, there are two kingdoms. He could not control that. There was nothing that he, that, that he can do. But I'll tell you, dear people... You know what your desire is. You know what you want your legacy to be. If you have children, the thing that you want most of all, you don't care what they might become or what they might do or how famous they may be or how useful they may be. You don't really care about that. The only legacy you want is, is a generation of believers to follow you. That's what we want for you more than anything else. Nothing more than that. If God will just save our children, if God will just save our grandchildren, if God will do that, that is enough. That's enough for us. That's the only legacy we want. God, will you please continue in the next generation? Uh, some of us are first-generation believers. Will you continue it until Christ comes back? We make bold to pray that. He passes on then in, 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 in verse 13 to a, a comparison. He's going to compare these two grand things that dominate the earth. What does he say? He says, now I realize that there is an advantage. There is an advantage to wisdom over folly, like the advantage of light over darkness. He says, there's a huge difference. There's enormous difference. As great as light over darkness. It's like you might say, um, um, it's, it's, it's like night and day. The, the, the difference is like night and day. So with um, um, a small W, I like what Pastor Ted has said about this. It's so helpful uh, 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 to realize there are two different kinds of wisdom. There's a worldly wisdom. It's a useful, helpful, 
advantageous wisdom to have. That's small w. And then there's a big W. That's the wisdom that, that comes from above that a Christian has that's granted him. It's wise. It's good to be a safe driver. It's good to balance your checkbook. It's good to change your oil. It's good to be polite. It's, it's good to know when to speak and when to hold your speech. It's, it's, these are good things. That's advantageous. Fools ignore the signs. They don't pay attention. They do stupid stuff in, in, in practical ways. So, so there is an advantage. It's, it's a large advantage. If, if, if you know how to conduct yourself appropriately and you know how to respond uh, in a way that will advantage you or, or that will help someone else. In verse 14, he, he, he brings a proverb. And, and he says, The wise man has his eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. And what he means by that, he says, The wise man has his eyes in the right place. He, he's able to see. It, it, it will keep him from unnecessary trouble and pain in, in this life, if his eyes are, are in the right place. He's got more than illumination. He has vision. He can see where he is going and what he is doing. The fool, according to the proverb, has no proper eyes. He walks, moves in darkness. He will stumble. He'll get hurt. The, the darkness is just not around him. It is inside of him because he has no eyes with which to see. And so people that walk in darkness, I make this application to myself. You see a foolish person, uh, rather than being angry with him, or rather than being disgusted with him, we should feel compassion for him. We should feel pity for him. We should feel, I wish I could do something to help him. Rather than being angry or, or, or fed up with that, you say, wow, you pray for him. You try to help him. Well, in, in, in the third place, then, we see that uh, we've seen that there is a futility in trying to control your legacy. And you see that, that there is some advantage by way of contrast over folly, we see in the third place then that there's a commonness. <clears throat> they share something. There's a commonness between them in, 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 in the latter part of verse 14 on to verse 15. Uh, here's what we read, and yet I perceived that the same event or the same fate happens to all of them. Then I said in my heart, what happens to the fool will happen to me also. Why then have I been so very wise? I said in my heart that this also is vanity. Wisdom, this kind of wisdom, this small w wisdom, this worldly wisdom, this practical wisdom, it has only a temporary, relative 
value. It, it is limited. The, 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 kind of win, the kind of wisdom that's operated under the sun, that's not from above, has value, but it's only temporary. It's limited. It, it can be contrasted with darkness because it's much more than darkness, but it is limited. It's relative. He felt the vanity and, and the futility of the common conclusion that both the wise and the foolish face. He saw that being wise and, and, and all the wisdom that he had accumulated, he would still share the same conclusion uh, with the fool. That's how he felt. Um, Time magazine, there's a, a, I just happened to find this this week uh, from Albert Moeller's uh, briefing post. He's, he, he has a blog. Larry Page, he's the, uh, uh, he is the co-founder and CEO, he's 40 years old, of the most successful, ubiquitous, and increasingly strange company on, on, on the planet. That company is Google. He's the top dog in Google, and this is the search engine uh, 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 that is used by billions of people in this world, and, and, and their company owns other businesses called, uh, they have a driverless car business, they have a wearable computing business, they have a business of providing internet access to remote areas via high-altitude balloons, among countless others. Page prefers to refer to the search giants' more out-there ventures as moonshots. At the moment, Google is preparing uh, an especially uncertain distant shot. It is planning to launch Calico, a new company w w which will focus on, the a on aging in particular. In some industries, says Page, who spoke ex exclusively with Time magazine about the new venture, it takes, 20, it, it takes 10 to 20 years to go from an idea to, to something being real. Health is certainly one of those areas. We should shoot for the things that are really important. So 10 or 20 years from now, We'll have those things done. The time writer says the unavoidable question this raises is why a company built on finding information and serving ads next to its spending untold amounts on project file flies in the face of the, of the basic fact of the human condition, the existential certainty of aging and death, to which the unavoidable answer is an, uh, another question, and I quote, who the hell else is going to do it? And what this says on the cover of Time magazine is, can Google solve death? The search giant is launching a venture to extend the human lifespan. That would be crazy. 
if it wasn't Google. We've got another God. His name is Google. He's the one that's going to undo or that purports uh, to undo it. This text teaches us that the opposites, the wisdom and the folly and, and, and madness have a common conclusion. I tell you, dear people, all the opposites do. The rich and the poor, the teacher and the student, the, the intelligent and the simple-minded, the beautiful and the not-so-beautiful, the engineer and the carpenter, all of them, the old and the young, the white-collar, the blue-collar, they all have this in common. They will meet the same end, whether they are famous or they are obscure. It makes no difference. There's a leveler. There's something that makes it all equal. It's an equalizer. There's a game over. There's a game over light that flashes for every category. You could name as many opposites as you can think of. They all meet in the same place. And according to Solomon, even the wise and, and the fool, on this level, every value judgment that you make about any person's occupation or status or anything else about them, it is trampled upon. It actually comes to nothing. So, everybody stops here. Do not pass go. Go directly to the grave. And judgment, an appointed and determined event for every man, for every woman, for every boy, for every girl, for every child. Verse 16 says, the wise dies just like the fool. That's that's how he feels. This is the trump card that is played. So whatever cards you have, I don't know how many face cards, how many aces you have, how many royal flushes, there's a trump card that undoes the whole thing. The average world death rate is in, is in the neighborhood, uh, believe it or not, of, uh, and, 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 I, and I took all the lower numbers. 150,000 people die every day. 6,200 and 50 in round figures die every hour, or 260 on average every minute are leaving this world. It is a relentless, non-discriminatory inevitability. And Solomon could see this, and it, it causes him to think on this level, under the sun, on this earthly level, that all, that all is vain, all this chasing after the wind, all is futility. Lastly then, um, his fourth observation, this glimmer of hope that he sees in, in, in uh, verse uh, 16. Um, he says, um, for of the wise, he examines this. He says, for of the wise as of the fool. I hope for this. I, I hope that this wouldn't be true, but he's found it to be true. For, for of the wise and of the fool, there is no enduring remembrance, seeing that the days to come 
all will have been long forgotten. How the wise dies like the fool. He's concerned about being remembered. Will he be remembered? Will the wise be remembered more than the fool? According to his analysis and according to his tests, they will all eventually be forgotten. Everyone, regardless if they were a, a movie star or an actress, if I had the time, I would ask for a show of hands. Uh, how many people know who uh, Sophia Loren is? Don't put your hands up. It's, but it's going to be a number that, that will get smaller and smaller, and you'll never know who this lovely Italian actress was. There are musicians. Michael Jackson, be, believe it or not, is destined for oblivion. He will be forgotten. There are criminals, there are presidents, there are kings, there are dictators, there are authors, there are comedians. How many people, don't put your hand on, can you remember George Carlin? My daughter is saying, what is my dad talking about? He's in oblivion. And sad to say, uh, there are missionaries that will utterly be forgotten. The world is not worthy of them. Their names will never be remembered. How many Indians, how many Indians remember William Carey of the one billion, two hundred million, whatever it is, how many have ever heard William Carey transformed the culture of India? Did marvelous, marvelous things. I say to you, though, what, what, what good comes from being remembered anyway? What good comes from it unless it somehow brings glory to God? What is someone's good thought or good recollection of anybody that has died? What good does it do them? What, does it, what good does it do Abraham Lincoln uh, to have a monument in Washington, D.C.? What good does it do uh, for Thomas Jefferson, uh, to have a, a dome over his head. What, what good does it do for him? It's a, it's a big zero, and, and, and yet we vainly long to be remembered. The monuments, the memorials, the murals, the paintings, the portraits, the pictures are all for nothing. They will be forgotten. That's his conclusion. And and so what does he say? In, what's his ultimate conclusion? In verse 17, he says, So I hated life because what is done under the sun was grievous to me for all his vanity, striving after wind. I'll tell you, dear people, what we've got to do, what we've got to do, we, we, we have got to get above the sun. That's where we've got to go. I have three simple applications. We've got to move from the small W to the big W. We've, we've got to go to the big W wisdom, which begins with the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 1.7. That esteems God, that loves God, that regards God, that is 
this, this fear of the Lord that is wrought within your heart by the Holy Spirit, this, the, the, the fear of the Lord that enables you to turn away from sin, that gives you victory over sin, that gives you a detestation of sin, that makes you afraid to displease God because you never want to do that. You always want to please God. That's the fear of the Lord. That's a wise thing to do. It, it longs for a consistent continual obedience to God. We delight in his law. These are glorious things that takes pleasure in him, that rejoices in him, that has joy in him. That's the fear of the Lord. That's wise. That's wisdom. That's, that's inestimable valuable in, in, in every way. You can't buy that. You can't get that. It's got to be given to you. God's heart is wide open to impart it to anyone who wants it. Seek God for it. Seek, seek the Son of God who is above the Son that is on this earth. Seek the one that is seated at the right hand of God and the wisdom which connects with him in, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. They're found in Jesus. That's where we've got to go. Number two, as far as being remembered, this idea of, of remembrance, Solomon says in Proverbs 10, 7, the memory of, of, of the righteous is a blessing, but the name of the wicked will rot. There really is a difference. There is a for, how, for however long your godly life is remembered by your children and by your grandchildren, it is a good thing. And in Betty May's case, her great-grandchildren, that's a good thing. That's a blessed thing. Uh, uh, Psalm 112, 6 says, For the righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. That's the word of the Lord. Jesus knows his sheep. Jesus knows you intimately. Jesus has known you. God the Son has known you from all eternity. That's why you hear his voice. He knows you more intimately than anybody else uh, could ever know you. When the thief on the cross was dying, what did he say to Jesus? What did he want? Remember me. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And the thing that we want, the thing that we want most of all, you know, I don't really care. Maybe you feel this way. You don't have to feel this way. I don't really care if I'm remembered. I like what Eric Long said in our class. He doesn't want some... some eulogy or a, or, or a four-column obituary that he showed us. He wants to remember, he wants to be remembered as a sinner that was forgiven by Jesus and, and, and had, his, had his sins washed away. That's, that's really all we want. We don't, I, don't, I don't care if my name is ever mentioned again, but I want the name of my Savior to live on forever, and so do you. And it will. The one that's been lifted up to the right hand of God, every eye will see him. Every knee will bow. 
They will all know him. Whatever names are forgotten, the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus will be known for all eternity. All hell will know his name. Every rational creature will remember Jesus. Hallelujah. That's the best thing that could ever happen. Let Jesus be known. Let us all be forgotten. Let him be remembered that every nation know Jesus. May the, may the praise come up to him. That's what we want. Philippians 2.9 just simply says, Therefore God has exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth under the earth. Every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We get this. That's what we want. That's what we live for. Number three and Lastly, we need to consider not a life to hate. He said he hated life. We have a life, we have a life to love. There's no other life worth living than living for Christ. That's what we invite sinners to. Every other life is vain and empty and useless and dangerous. But a life with Christ... That's the most beautiful, most joyous, most happy life that you could possibly, notwithstanding all trials and troubles and difficulties. No better way to live. No, n- not a thing more, more useful, more valuable, more precious than a life with Christ. John Par- Paul Sartre, uh, he's, he's a famous existential author and and uh, his name will be forgotten it's probably it's probably not really well anyway he says he says life has no meaning the moment you lose the illusion of the eternal see we we laugh at his darkness it's not an illusion it's the reality it's the reality of the eternal that holds our hearts. And, and you can't lose it. You cannot get away with it. You can't run from it. God's got his grip on you. He's got his grip on me. And we will never wander away. Here's, a, here's, a, here's another old guy. His name is Voltaire. Have you heard of him? He's the famed irreligious, anti-religious activist and critic He was a philosopher of the 18th century enlightenment. Here's what he said very succinctly. I hate life, yet I am afraid to die. Ah, Poor man, poor man. We know that when we die, we will be the just men and the just women, the spirits departed, made righteous. We will finally enter into the rest, the permanent rest that we talked about in, in our classes this morning. We'll, we'll, we have the real treasure because nothing will ever separate us from the love of Christ. Uh, the final text then, uh, Proverbs 4.18, Solomon said this too. 
You can hang your whole heart, your whole soul on this. The common, it's a common popular verse. The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until the full day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much uh, for the gospel. We thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you so much uh, for the certainty of our salvation. We thank you uh, uh, with all of our hearts for your open heart towards sinners. That there is no one who calls upon the name of the Lord that will not be saved. There is no one uh, who you will cast out, not a one. There never has been one. There never will be one. Such a God that you are. And so we pray. We pray with all of our hearts that those that do not know you here, that those that are uncertain, that those that are still in love with pleasure and with this world and with the amassment of material possessions, that they'll give up. They'll give up and get the treasure that's in Jesus. Only you can do that. Come. Come, Holy Spirit, make Heritage Baptist Church a place where sinners are saved. Bring them in. Bring them in irresistibly. And send our missionaries out to do the very same things in the Horn of Africa, in Ireland, in South Africa, in, 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 in Serbia. Keep on doing these marvelous things and bringing honor and praise to the Redeemer whose name will never be forgotten. His name is Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen. Amen. Please stand with us. Please stand with us.